Welcome to the Black Moose First Podcast. I'm your host, Alton Jamison. I've made the journey from having an incarcerated father to becoming an engineer to transitioning to a professional speaker and author. And now I am the founder and chief chess player of Black Moose First. Black Moose First is a company that offers chess boards and accessories, apparel and personal development products that empower people like you to change the world one move at a time. In the game of chess, white pieces always move first, which is an advantage, and the black pieces move second, which is a disadvantage. Black moves first is more than an oxymoron in chess. Instead, it calls for people to strive for success, even when the odds are against you. To strive for success, even when you may not have the advantages of others. Our motto is, changing the world one move at a time. This podcast explores the stories of how people have overcome adversity to make their own moves and change their own world, whether in the game of chess or in the game of life. All right. Thank you, everyone. We're back. This is episode two uh, for the Black Moves First podcast. And I have a wonderful, wonderful guest today, uh, Ms. Parshell. How are you doing? I am good. I'm great. Feeling good today. Wonderful. I'd like to, uh, I know we got a lot of things to talk about, but I'd like to first, um, for those of you who are watching and will be watching that, Parshel is the the guru, and she is the one who taught me how to do a podcast or how to do a video podcast, and I went through her course, and it's highly, I highly recommend it. Uh, Parshel is the best at what she does. I know she's humble, and she's not going to pat herself on the back too much, but I'm going to I'm going to give her a clap for her, but I definitely want to say, you know, Parshel, thank you for uh, just always being a top-notch professional at everything that you've done. Ever since I met you, and I, you know, I think we, I think I met you ten years ago now, I think yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, and mm-hmm. Parshel has done video stuff for our, my marriage event. She's done video stuff for when we were looking to plant a church, uh, and everything she has done has always been first class. So. Parshel, thank you, and I'm honored to have you on our show. I'm excited to be here too. It, I didn't I didn't realize it had been 10 years, but you're right. It's been a while. I can't. I was thinking I didn't realize it had been 10 years until yeah. I started thinking about it before the show. And I was like, man. So I was reading some of your bio. Tell us kind of a little bit about kind of where you from and how you the path from being a a teacher. So now you're on the other side of the country and you're doing a professional video, should I say? Yeah. So I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia. I think usually I tell people Virginia Beach because then they at least know the area (laughs) I'm talking about. (laughs) But yeah, I'm from there. Um, Grew up there, born and raised. uh, And I was on a path to go to school and get a job. So I went to Virginia Tech, got two degrees in math and curriculum and instruction. And then I went on to to teach school. And but in that time and going back to when I was in middle school is when I started to actually get on the computer just for fun. I would make logos. I would like do flyers and designs and stuff like that, because the stuff they gave us at church to hand out was trash. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was trash. You remember the word art with like the three D oh, chicken leg? For, yeah, yeah. It, I, I, it bothered me. <laughs> it bothered me. So that's that's honestly what got me on the computer and sort of this creative uh, uh, piece. But nevertheless, I never really pursued it out of doing anything, you know, outside of it being fun and for free, right? For the community group or for whatever was going on. So I never saw it as something that I could do to make a living from. <clears throat> So, yeah, I just went forward. I taught school. And around that time, I think it was 2010, someone had asked me, like, hey, well, how much would you charge me? Your video was good. How much would you charge me to do a video? And I was like, charge you for to do what? Like, <laughs> get out of here. I can make money doing this. So it had never occurred to me. And that's when sort of this, it's just like whatever jumped on me at that point, jumped on me and it stayed, you know, this concept of like entrepreneurship and doing something that you enjoy and making money from it. So that got me into that world. And so I started doing that while I was teaching. So I started my wow. business while I was teaching. So I think by the time you and I had met, I was still working full time as a teacher, but I, I was so. doing those gigs and stuff to just understand and to just to get into the world of business and being a business owner. And then two years after that, I quit teaching decided to go with it full time because I figured, huh, if I'm making this much just on the side, maybe I could do more. So I just continued down that path and then uh, didn't let it go that, you know, just leadership and entrepreneurship really called me. And so I started just picking up on patterns instead of me being the one to haul in all the equipment and set up. I said, you know what, if somebody could actually help me do that, I could have more energy for the client. So things like that started to naturally build to the point where, you know, like fast forward about six years, like I'm operating my company out of two locations was between Philly and Virginia. And then in the last three years, I moved out to California. So from there, I was then operating like in three locations, essentially. So it was a lot. But essentially, I went from being sort of this one woman show, right, being the videographer, like you knew, to we had a number of shoots going on and sometimes I forgot that the shoots were going on because we just, I was in a wow. completely different role in terms of leadership and just growing the business. So um, yeah, that's like flash forward my story and <laughs> the, that, that entrepreneurship bug just bit me. Oh, that's awesome. You're, you remind me of some pastors that say, oh, I'm one church, three locations. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's I mean, right. really, yeah, really. We were doing a lot of shoots everywhere. Uh, one thing that that I remember, Parshell, I, I feel like it's the same way I've I seen you. I remember you're a teacher, you're here, and then now you're doing what you do. It's like the same way you probably have seen me evolve, you know, because I was trying to plant a church, I was speaking full time, and now I'm selling chess boards, right? So, but, <laughs> but one thing that I want you to talk about, and I'll make this comment, and I want you to talk about is that some of the most successful and some of the people that I, I follow a lot have been black female entrepreneurs. Actually, right before I got on this call, I was actually emailing another black female entrepreneur about uh, she was doing a course on ebooks or something. And I was talking to her about that. But some of the most and I, I, I don't know if it's overlooked or underappreciated in my perspective, but I have met some super successful black female entrepreneurs and what i'd like for you to talk about is you know what are what are some of the challenges or maybe stereotypes or what are some of the, even the benefits of being a black female entrepreneur 
Yeah, I've never been asked that question before, but I would have to say that uh, <clears throat> um, I think that, you know, I, I'm sort of used to it. Like, that's what I'll start right. to say. Right. Uh, growing up in Chesapeake, uh, you know, and going to Indian River and in the neighborhood we lived in, it was like I was around a lot of different people. Right. But then right. I still had our family. You know, we go to family reunions. You know, I still had my blackness, if you will, that was still very right. much a part of me. But I've been around a lot of people and I was used to being the only black person in the class as I went through high school. And then also once I got to college and being in a math program, I was also in a lot of cases the only female and the only other and the only black person in the class. So I think for me, just in my experience, it's just something that I've been accustomed to and that I haven't been afraid of. So I found myself in situations and growing my business where I would like I would not exclude myself from going to certain places. Right. Like if there was a, a golf a golf club, you know, right. I would show up to the golf club and have coffee because I could and because I could make people there. I wasn't afraid to sort of insert myself in a challenge in and of itself being in a male-dominated industry of film and video. And so it's just something that I've just had to uh, just, just overcome and deal with bit by bit because it hasn't always been easy. I would say I've I've often realized that I learn a lot from, from men, but a lot of my business arrangements with men, like I can count on a, like several occasions where that particular arrangement or transaction just did not go well. And it came up to a point of respect. It came to a point of, you know, just certain boundaries that were crossed that they would never do that if it was a man, let oh, alone a white male. Right. But Nevertheless, I still, and I'm the type of person to always still see the good in people. Uh, I'm like the Pollyanna of <laughs> most situations. So I just usually just push through it um, is my perspective. But yeah, it, it's definitely been challenging. But at the same time, it has been very unique. Like I said, like sometimes being the only one in the room is to your advantage because nobody looks like you and you know, people are interested in what you do. It gives me opportunity yeah. to really represent my own culture in a way that I feel is still of value in any room. Does that make sense? Like it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I think yeah. that the old saying is, you know, is it going to be a stumbling block or a stepping stone? Um, and I think to to your point, I definitely, you know, even in my business, even as a black male, I have sometimes been treated by other black professionals less than. And I have said, hey, you know, if this was a, a white counterpart or a white speaker, you, you wouldn't have done that. I mean, one particular case, I remember I was asked to speak at a college, a HBCU, on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And I was three hours away from where I live. So I had to, you know, I had to leave like 530 so I can get there early, set up, et cetera. And I get there and the lady says, oh, I rescheduled the event till next weekend. You can come back. And... Uh, I never forget that. And, and to your point, sometimes because whether you're, you know, your your color, your you know, you being a female, et cetera, that people will try you. Um, but on the opposite end, I do agree with you a lot that it can be a blessing, right? It can be that hey, there's not a lot of black females doing this. You know, I think even in the chess world, uh, it's like three black grandmasters like in the world right? Um, and then there's one black master in Louisiana which is where I live I mean so it 
It's just even operating in different spaces. So I, I think that's, to me, that goes back to why we do the podcast, right? People who are changing their world one move at a time, because if it was easy, as we would say, everybody could do it, right? So when you're operating in a space um, that not a lot of people that look like you, I think it carves a new path for sure. Parsho, can you talk about how your business has evolved over the years? Like I know, like you said, you went from maybe taking the chicken bone off the church program and <laughs> making it look, uh, you know, making it look better to um, to. I know you're doing courses now. You're doing, you know, all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. So can you kind of maybe walk us through how what you started off doing and kind of some of the things you do now? Yeah, I started off doing all things creative. I could make a logo, build a website, do your video, take photos of you, and then maybe record some audio. Like I could do all of those things. A business coach at the time early on told me, you need to pick one thing and just stick to that. And I decided to pick video, chose that and stuck with it. So that's really been the, the core focus of what I do offer my business. So it's just been one iteration or another of that. Right. So I started out being that person that would come on set and do all the filming and uh, just as a standard videographer freelancer. Then the business evolved to still handling a lot of video, but then it started to turn into more corporate video. So for corporate needs like marketing, sales, uh, trainings that they were doing, uh, presentations, events. Like <laughs> I basically say I, I, I did every kind of video except for like uh, you know, pornography. Uh, <laughs> I've done music videos, weddings that, you know, I could do all of it, but uh, what's, what's a, what the evolution that's taken place is me just getting clear on exactly what I, what it is that I want to actually do. And I'm wearing my shirt now, teach everything, you know, um, because that's one of my mottos. It's like, I really feel like when we teach, uh, we can go the fastest and farthest, right? It's like we're being carried by our experience and what we know to be true and sharing that with other people. And I think that's what creates ripples in the way that our world continues and, how, and what we pass on to the next generation. So education is really huge for me. So in that respect, after the pandemic and going through the pandemic, that was the time that I actually shut down my first business. Um, I completely shut the doors to it because it was not, I don't know, it just, I just got to a point within myself where I knew I didn't want to just keep doing, being all things for all people and essentially taking orders. That's what it kind of starts to feel like in a service-based industry, no matter how, you know, no matter what project it is. I mean, we were working for SeaWorld Bush Gardens and with like, you know, a local business and, you know, it just became tiring to an extent, and I was doing so much on the business side that there was nothing creative happening on my right. side either. So um, anyway, the pandemic took place and I realized that um, teaching was still very much a part of me and being able to be a part of something that really uh, made a difference in my life was teaching and learning. And I wanted to make that the focus of the videos that we do going forward. So it really is focused on online course creation right now and the videos that can accompany that that up level that learning experience for you know it could be a bestseller a coach you know a speaker and author um those individuals that really have something special to share and want to get it out so that's that's how it's my business has evolved it was doing all things wow. for all people right and now it's just saying hey this is what i want to contribute to the world so it's more of a decision that was made in that respect and i started 
uh, a new company called 36,000 feet. Okay. So what's your ideal avatar or, or a good fit? What's a good fit uh, or a client for partial? Like when, when would somebody come to you to say, Hey, I, I need what 36,000 feet have to offer. Yeah. Someone that would be ideal for us is someone who's not new to teaching. They're not new to, uh, to, to training and, and presenting information. They're already an established thought leader and they just want to up level their video presence in their online coursework. Maybe they've done it before using Zoom or using some other platform, but again, depending on whatever it is, maybe they've already taught it before. Maybe they're looking to actually upgrade previous coursework that proved to be successful for them. Now they can do a 2.0 version with us. Um, so what's really exciting about this is we present two, two options that you can fly with us at 36,000 feet. You can be first class where essentially we're doing everything for you, right? You're getting the benefit of instructional design as well as the production value that's there to really create something that's gonna up level the learning experience for your viewers. And But business class is more of us teaching you how to do it and walking with you alongside to still up level your your video and how you teach, um, but we're not necessarily there with you. So it's just a different way of approaching it. But I'm excited because, like now, it's it, you know I get to put the teacher hat back on, and thankfully to you know a business coach that I'm working with now, I'm able to really delegate and really have the right people on my team, so that way I can also jump more into the creative with this too. That's what I'm really excited for coming up is just delving more into the creativity of this and combining it with the teaching stuff. <laughs> See, I didn't know there were two classes, right? I, you know, like first <laughs> class, business class, and Marshall might come with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, we, I mean, that might be, that'll <laughs> like be, that. that'll be the, the coaching program. That's like, yeah. the, that's, that, that's actually the, the best way is coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I know when I sat through your recent program, the one that you all did on the podcast, I was really impressed by your, your teaching style. And one thing that I like, and I'll say about you, Parshell, is that you have a way to make things simple. Um, and so, like, it could be some complex, whether it's launching, a, you know, doing a video course and all this stuff. Because, I mean, for if you're like me, every day I get bombarded with emails or ads on somebody who started a course on Tuesday and they made $10 million on Friday. And if you sign up for that webinar and if you do this and you get bombarded with, oh man, how do I do it? And and, and a lot of times I think a lot of people get overloaded um, on information. So how, how do you manage to take things that are so complex and simplify it? Do you think that's from just being a teacher at art? I think so. And I think also the way that my mind works is, uh, is this giftedness, I think, of being able to see things almost from like an aerial view. On any situation, no matter how, how complex it is, I tend to just back away from it, you know, and completely detach and just see it as anything else. That uh, if it is something that I think is of benefit to the, to the planet and it exists, everything follows a cycle. Everything follows certain patterns. And so when I'm able to see that, then I make you know, some sort of an analogy to something else. Let's say it's the body and how the body functions and the different systems that work, you know, it's like I make these correlations between the two right. to help me to understand it. And then I can teach it because really teaching is really just the highest form of learning at the end of the day. So uh, for me, I feel like in my mind, what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach myself. Um, and this is something I realized this year too, is that teaching is actually something that I 
I felt like I had to do for myself. There weren't a lot of teachers um, and I had a lot of questions, but I had bad teachers, you know, people that, I mean, everything from church to school and in some cases, even at home is like certain things that I really wanted to know or that I had questions about. I'm like, I guess I got to figure it out myself because y'all can't explain it. Like I'm not understanding, but this is supposed to be something that's important. I really want to understand it on a certain level. So it really forced me to uh, really pick up teaching as a way of like survival, I guess. So that way I can, I could always know that as long as I can teach myself, I'm good. And that's what I always like told my students as well. Like know how you teach. So that way, no matter who's in front of you, (laughs) you can still absorb this information because you can teach yourself. So now people can work with you and if they just want to create a, a video course for their clients or if they want to automate, you know, some programs, they can do all all that through 36,000 feet. Yeah. Any sort of like, uh, you know, online coursework, education. And, and a lot of this is used for different ways. People use courses right. to maybe create a certification of I see. You know, framework that they already work with. Maybe they have coaches under them. Maybe they have a bestseller that's still rocking it and kicking it. And there's an opportunity to establish even more revenue or another stream of revenue just from converting that bestseller into an online experience that people can engage with and, you know, and learn with together. So there's a lot of different needs that would come up. But if the end goal is to teach, you know, and to have it to be effective, like, and for it to look good. See, that's another thing too. I'm actually like kind of marking my territory and say, hey, like this is going to be really professionally produced video as well. You know, it'll be a really strong balance between information that is easy to understand. You know, it's it's organized in a fashion that ensures that learning is going to take place and it looks really good. <laughs> How do you, I got a question for you as an entrepreneur, and this is a question for everybody. <clears throat> How do you really establish value to the things that you offer? And the question that I'm asking, it's kind of a broader question where I remember as a motivational speaker, I might say, hey, my fee is whatever, $5,000, you know, and I'm going to speak 45 minutes. Now, you know, and, and the principal could say, hey, well, Johnny down the street could come for 300 bucks. And so... I would then have to go to this tug of war sometimes before I understood value um, of proving myself. But how do you, having been in this industry for a while, and I and I can't speak for you, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs, we've felt like we sold our soul <laughs> sometimes by giving it all away to get into that place that you know, know what, this is it. And, you know, I want to help you, but I, I can't go lo- any lower than this bar. So how have you... How do you establish value now and how have you learned to establish value to value yourself or what you have to give to the world? There's been a strong correlation between my own personal value and how I, what worth I put on myself as a person, as an individual. Um, I think that over time it's just gone up and up. And I feel like I've never, I've never been able to charge anything above what I felt like I was you know, what I was worth. And if it happened, it was like a surprise, like, oh, wow, that's nice. (laughs) Um, But I had had experiences too when it came to like what to charge. And I tested and experimented a lot of different ways too. Like sometimes just throwing out a number to somebody just to see how it felt to say it, how they responded and whatever the case is. But um, at the end of the day, 
however I feel about myself and however I'm excited and in in alignment with what I'm offering of value, I think those things can, you know, can dictate what I can charge or what anybody can charge for that matter. I I thank you. And I'm going to ask you a follow up question in a second. I think you hit it on the head. You know, I remember a story uh, where I had an opportunity to speak at a youth event, probably five miles, 10 minutes from my house. And at that time, as a speaker, I was charging about $2,500 to speak. And the lady wanted me to speak and I shared, you know, I went through my process establishing value and I said, hey, the investment for my program is whatever. And she said, well, all I could pay is 300 bucks. Now it's 10 minutes from my house. It's an easy $300, but I said, trying to hold true to my value. I know another guy that can do it at that price, but I cannot. And I recommended somebody else who would do a good job. And one of the things I think you hit that's so important for people to hear is that once you start learning how to value yourself, that you won't begin to compromise on whatever your your fee is. You know, you can't say um, whatever. If I'm a barber, I'm $30 a haircut. But every time somebody come in, it's $15 and $12 and whatever, you know, get me next week. Um, so what what are some of the things that you do, Parshel, personally that helps develop you, like personal development? Are there like books you read, seminars you go to, people you, you like to listen to? You know, what helps you to get you in your groove, your vibe? Yes. So I would say a couple of years ago, I started meditating. Um, That has been a huge uh, tool for me that's helped me in my personal development. Um, I also, I do read. I read a lot of books that usually have to deal with whatever it is I'm trying to learn at the moment that I need to learn. Um, Currently, I'm reading a book called uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, uh, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. So as I mentioned earlier in my story, it was like, I hadn't realized that really my creative work was just stuff that I just knew how to do. It didn't really require very much uh, depth to really create something. So, you know, books like this, I like to to dive into um, because you and I met in the church and I feel like those roots still are pretty much there and, and are just growing deeper. And I think what it means to be, you know, to be here, to be on the planet and to, you know, really, show up as your best. So, you know, I do read a lot of books. Um, I also, one of my favorite teachers that I like to listen to, his name is Muji, M-O-O-J-I. He's a Jamaican half British uh, brother that I just, I love listening to him. Um, But I, you know, for me, I take my, I don't know, I take my, personal growth and development very seriously. And it's something that I make top priority. I'm always like uh, my partner, she says, she's like, you're always, she said, you're somebody who just embraces growth and whatever that means. And it's just something, I guess it just drives me about uh, wanting to be better. You know, Parshel, I, I have never met an entrepreneur who has not been one who's read books or put time in personal development. And I, and I can't stress that enough. I know Brian Tracy, which is one of my favorite guys, uh, he would talk about, you know, you should spend 3% of your income on personal development. Um, I have, I've never met, uh, you know, I, I love reading books, um, art audible or, 
And I'm the one that likes to, I, I want to learn. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn more about the t-shirt business. So I just signed up for a guy's, you know, course on selling t-shirts. I mean, and that's the thing that I think that people got to hear is that you have to be willing to make the investment when necessary. Doesn't mean you need to buy everything. Doesn't mean you need to sign up because, you know, people got a lot of stuff they hadn't read and programs and, um, but you really got to make the investment. Um, what would be, Parshell, if you could give a couple of tips to some entrepreneurs out there. I would say for one, we just mentioned the personal development work. I would definitely say work on yourself more than you do your business. And you'll find that your business actually will, I don't know, just start to rock with you. It'll be more in sync with with that flow. Uh, The other thing that I would suggest is or recommend is to really figure out and understand yourself and your strengths. I recently took uh, and got involved with a program called Wealth Dynamics, where um, after taking this profile test, you know, it just confirmed my strengths. But what it also did is it helped me to feel less terrible about myself for my weak areas. <laughs> and, and because of that, you know, because with, with the program with, with Wealth Dynamics, every archetype or whatever you test as, there's a very specific and unique path that you should take. So I really shouldn't be listening to all these people on YouTube if they're not of this type of archetype, right? And that's where I struggled a lot. You know, we talked about learning a lot from different people. I'm learning from people who have skill sets and strengths in all kinds of areas that are not mine. So when I try to follow their system and then it crashes and burns, you know, it just, all of that disappointment and frustration, I just would put it on myself. So after understanding what my strengths are and knowing that there's a path to sort of climb this wealth ladder for myself, it's, it's changed everything, really. So now I feel like uh, there's definitely a, a much more clear path forward. So I recommend anybody, like any sort of test that are out there to help you to understand more of yourself is really, really helpful. And I highly recommend uh, checking out Wealth Dynamics as well as a resource to just figure out what that is for you. There's like nine different archetypes, which means that there's like nine different paths for you and you could be on one that's not fitting for you and not working. So I love it. Um, So, so that's one thing. And the last thing I would say is to really check into and and understand like your own patterns and your own triggers and to get like, and to get comfortable with the discomfort that comes. I think when we, when we embark on growth in our lives, like we, I think we underestimate all the stuff we need to face to be the next version of ourselves. There's some things of our past or some things that we have to either let go or right. grieve. And it is not easy, but um, it's definitely worth it. So I don't know. I feel like for me, my entrepreneurial advice is usually tied to something much deeper, like that requires some inner reflection. I think that's perfect. You know, one, one thing that I'm, I have learned at this point in my life is that I am comfortable with who I am and where I'm at. You know, I was talking to a guy yesterday. <clears throat> he knew I had pastored a church before and went through that process. And I clearly said to him, uh, I said, I feel like I, I have the skills to do it again if I wanted to, but I don't have the grace to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's just, I just, I don't feel like, I feel like for so long, 
especially when you grow up in the church, right? People got to put you in a category. You know, you're good with youth. You got to be a youth pastor. You're good with, you know, a camera. You're going to be on the whatever film team or whatever the case. I mean, they put you in these buckets mm-hmm. and then you come and realize yourself to say, you know what? I don't really fit in a bucket. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable by saying that I'm a, a black guy to sell chess boards, whether you want to be, he called me a nerd geek or whatever. I rock my brand. You can buy it or not, but there's somebody who wants to buy it. Right. And that, and that's the thing that I have. And I, I saw a, a quote today on LinkedIn. It said confidence is basically not getting the approval of everyone. Confidence is still feeling good about yourself when nobody approves. And, and that's, and I think that's the thing you got to have as an entrepreneur. Um, for me, you know, because I was like, hey, one day I might get on video and I might talk about chess. The next day I might talk about God. The next day I might talk about, you know, whatever. And being married, next day I might talk about this and say, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's just who I am. <laughs> and that's just under my brand. And if I want to talk about jelly beans today and <laughs> whatever and achieving eight ways to achieve your goals tomorrow, I'm okay with that. Because you know what? Somebody is going to listen. And I yeah. think that's the thing to get out. Uh, for being an entrepreneur. Parsha, what would you say 10 years from now, where would you like to see uh, your company? Wow. 10 years from now, I would like to see my company, um, for lack of better words, like almost like a record label, but for really amazing teachers and, um, and content that we can really establish fair partnerships and um, really put out some life-changing content that, you know, people can go through and be like, man, I learned this and I know it and it's, it hasn't left me. I still remember that course I took. So that that's the kind of work that I can see us doing and doing it in a, in a fashion that's like very widespread in that regard. Can you talk about for a moment, uh, and I know you alluded to it a couple of times, the importance of building a team. And you talked about, uh, you know, I got a team that helps me out or I got people who are strong in areas I'm not. But why is that so important, not just for your business, but for entrepreneurs to understand that even if they don't have the resources to pay everybody on a team, but just really having the right uh, pieces in place. I don't want people to miss that because I think you said that a few times and Mm -hmm. and I, I think people need to understand what that means. We can't do everything. And each of us have you know, like anything in nature has strengths and a weakness, right? You can take an elephant, you can take a fly. Elephant can stomp something, but, you know, you can't hide it nowhere, right? But a fly, you know, has certain strengths and weaknesses as well. So if you understand that about yourself, then you know how to sort of fill that. And it doesn't have to be something depending on where you are in your business that you have to, you know, put somebody on salary. I mean, there's a lot of options that you have uh, with a lot of other freelancers, you know, interns, as well as people who, you know, if you have a, a an amazing vision and you're able to communicate that vision and it is a vision that is of value and that you're excited about, people will likely just say, all right, well, I'll, I'll stick it out with you for six months or a year. Let's see where this goes. Right. And this is how much, you know, we can share in the profits. Like you have a lot of opportunities to build a team. And if it can start as easy with just having an accountability team, you know, somebody that just has your back around certain goals that you want to achieve. So I would consider that to be a team member. So there's a lot of different ranges to it. And then when the time is right, yeah, you know, you can bring on really good salary and, uh, you know, salary positions for people to help you in that regard. 
Um, but, you know, it'll all start from, you know, you just figuring out what your, the things that you stand for, the things that matter to you. And then when it is time to hire on a, on a larger scale, you can carry those characteristics and values of your culture and what you want to create. You know, it'll be much more clear at that point too. So I think no matter where you are, even if you're starting, you can still get a team and, and have some support around those weak areas. Yeah, I think that's so important. And this is this is a real team. Like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they like to, oh, I got my money team or, um, you know, my boys. This is not just your boys because sometimes your boys or your money team is the worst oh people God. that needs to be, yeah. to be on your team. And sometimes family members can be the worst <laughs> people on, on your team. So I think what, what Parshall is saying and what I got out of it, so some of the mistakes I've made is um, I hire too quickly to get somebody on my team and then I don't make the money to keep them on my team. All right. Mm. So what she's saying is, hey, there are people who you may not even be able to physically pay right now, but if you're confident enough in your vision and you can sell people on your vision, people may ride with you for a little while. They may say, hey, hell, I'll help you out. I'll do this. And, and then when you get your payday, hey, give me 25 percent to do this there. And I think that's the thing that you got to get across. You have to be laser focused on your vision. She clearly said 36,000 feet. You got first class. You got business class. Right. She didn't say, hey, we got a little prop plane. Hey, we got a bus. If you can't fly. <laughs> she didn't say all that. And I think that's the thing that, to get across to the young entrepreneurs is that you got to be laser being focused mm -hmm. on your on your vision and refine that. I remember in 2008. Um, partial, and then I'll ask you to share about how people can get in touch with you. But I remember in 2008 when we were having a recession and people were losing their houses, Rolls Royce profits were up 20% on selling Rolls Royce. And that has always stuck with me because they have such a laser beam focus on their customer that they target people that their wealth is not really impacted by a recession. They may lose a little bit. I mean, but look, when, when Warren Buffett goes from 50 million to 47 million, he could, or billion, uh, he can still pay the light bill, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, he can still pay the light bill. He can still get groceries that week. And Rolls Royce was able to target people and mm -hmm. still increase profits when everybody were losing their homes and jobs and yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, and if you think about that, um, that just lets you know that when you have a laser beam focus, um, and that's the importance that I'm learning to really, who's my customer, who's my avatar, who's the people that I'm really targeted for. And I go after one lady I met recently, Parshell, but her business, uh, I think it's Stephanie Rodnez. She does Godlywood girl, and she's target females in a certain age group who love the Lord and want to use their business to express their faith. And I've I've joined her, um, you know, a couple of her webinars and stuff. But her her target is so specific, um, and then her brand is so specific. Like in this, and look, and she uh, other people, you know, guys, you could buy my products, but clearly know that when you read my book, it's gonna say, "Hey, sis." Right? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> everything is so specific. So I really appreciate what you have have offered today. How can people? Uh, join your courses or you got some courses coming up or how can people 
uh, reach out to you or connect with you, they want to find more about you or your business, what's the best way we can do that? Yeah, so we have a new site that is going to be launched. And probably at the time that people hear this episode, uh, it should be ready. But if you go to teachfirstclass.com, that is uh, where you can learn about what we're doing in that respect. And then uh, me personally, my email is video at partialtashi.com. So uh, if anybody has questions or wants to reach out, those are the best ways to do it. And I'm definitely on LinkedIn. You can find me there um, as well as Facebook. So those two places are best to reach out and say what's up. That's awesome. And then I hope too, Parshel, not to put you on a spot that um, I hope that you'll be offering that podcast again, uh, course. <laughs> so for those of you who are interested, stay connected with Parshel. I'm, I'm putting her on the spot, but hopefully she'll be doing that again <laughs> as well. Yeah, we, we have some good <laughs> workshops that are coming up. Uh, depending on the demand for the podcast one, we'll do that again. That was that was pretty fun to do. And uh, the, the other workshop that we'll be uh, launching, I think our first one is coming up next next month in May. So go to our website and stuff to check out the details for that. But that is essentially, again, video production being at the core. This is a, a business class offering, if you will. So someone who's wanting to up level their course production, uh, we're going to get together in a half day workshop and really do a little bit of instructional design together. So bring your outline, bring what you got, bring everything. And together we're gonna just see and identify if there's any ways we can refine, maybe some of the activities, maybe there's some assessments that would polish up your curriculum a bit. And then we also dive into pretty much everything that you need on a pre-production end. So that way your entire curriculum is ready. You and your, your lessons, your content is all, everything's checked off so you can go ahead and uh, and take off. That's what I call it. <laughs> well, Parshel, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I can't say enough to the honor that it was to have you on our show. Um, you're doing wonderful things. And I am a big fan of not that you'll be less of an entrepreneur if you wasn't a black female, but I really celebrate <laughs> black female entrepreneurs. Um, you're doing your thing and it, it really makes my heart joy. And I, I'm proud of you. I know, like I said, I've seen your work over the years. And you're first class all the way uh, in my book. So, again, thank you for joining our show. And we definitely appreciate your time. Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. This is awesome. Thank you again for your time today. And remember to subscribe to our podcast, rate our show, and share with others. You can also view us on the web at www.blackmovesfirst.com. My final charge to you is, what move will you make today to change your world? Stay positive, and I'm your host, Alton Jameson.